This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap for Tuesday, the 25th of October 2022. I am Stephen Scott. Sean Priest is back with me today. And as well as going through all your feedback, we're talking about Braille in 2022 and a very cool new app. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Hey, Sean Priest, how are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you, Stephen. How are you? Oh, you know, could complain. But uh, yes. who'd listen? <laughs> oh, me. Every time you ring me all the time. Yeah, that's Complain. true, whether you like it or not. Uh, yes. How are you feeling? You still got your cold? I've still got my cold. My voice is going. Oh. So uh, we'll, we'll see how we do. So by Wednesday, you'll be whispering or you'll sound like you are um, performing oh, no. in, uh, let's no, just no. say, adult uh, entertainment. Well, you could have just said ASMR rather than adult entertainment, but we know where your mind goes to. That's absolutely fine. I think I'll be calling in a sickie, Stephen. I believe oh, that's really? what it's called. I've never done one before, but uh, we'll wait and see. You oh, know what I love? Dear. This is what I love about radio, right? Because you do it every day. You have to kind of pre-plan your sickies. I used to do this yes, on the radio all the time. I'd have to kind of go away from the, the office, kind of thinking to myself, am I going to be in tomorrow? Should I decide now if I'm going to be ill? Because um, you can't do that in any other job. You make the decision when you wake up in the morning. But in this job, you've got to be covered. So, yeah, if it's just me yes. talking at you endlessly uh, tomorrow, you'll know, why. you'll know why. Well, fingers yes. crossed you're uh, with me because, you know, it would be a bit weird without you. And, you know, I don't get as okay. much hate when you're around. So, you know. Well, I don't know. Hello, Dean, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, look, today we're talking about Braille. And, uh, you know, we had on uh, the show last week uh, a very interesting guy, Aaron Stevenson, joining us to talk all about the Braille scanner app on Double Tap TV. You might have seen that episode. If you haven't checked it out, go back and uh, watch it on the AMI TV app. You can also get us on YouTube as well at Double Tap on Air across social media. It's where you'll find us. And, um, it was really interesting learning about this app, the app that can read Braille. Um, and, and it kind of surprises a lot of people when you think about, you know, this kind of thing, because you think, well, why would you want an app to read Braille, right? I mean, you use your fingers to read Braille. But actually, this isn't for, although it can be for anyone, frankly, but it really is an app for people who want to check that the Braille they have, maybe in a building, maybe something they've typed out, maybe they've got embossed, they want to make sure it's right. And uh, I don't know about you, but I've been to hotels and I remember being on a cruise ship where I learned that all the numbers on the, the, the elevator had been put up the wrong way around. You know, so it was going from nine to one, but it was actually one to nine. Um, so I think only the five was right. Um, you know, it's one of those kind of situations. But, you yeah. know, that's, it, it is important that they check these things. And this is a great way to do it. Yeah, it, it's it's really interesting. Some of the use cases that he mentions here, I don't want to spoil it because it is a great interview. Yeah. And more than that, I find it really interesting, the actual process of creating the app. When you want to learn about machine learning, it, it, I always think machine learning means that it's easy. You just tell it, I want it to do that, and it does it somehow. But uh, we find out it's not at all like that. There's no. a lot of work that goes into something like this. And it was you and I, we did the interview a good few months by now. And we did the interview with the intention of it, you know, appearing on uh, Double Tap TV, as we do with a number of our interviews. But now, of course, we have The Daily Show. We have the chance to really dig into some of those interviews that we did. And, yeah, we had a really long and interesting conversation with Aaron all about his app. But like you say, about the process of building these applications as well. So if you want to geek out with us today, then uh, stick around. We're going to we're going to get into that conversation shortly. But shall we uh, get into the mailbag because it is bulging again? Um, is it? Yes. So many I'm people scared. getting in touch. It's all right. Don't be too scared. Well, be a little bit scared. Okay. Um, okay. Greg's been in touch from Phoenix, Arizona, not Pennsylvania, Greg, but our uh, <sighs> Phoenix, Arizona. Hello, Stephen and Sean. This is Greg from Phoenix. Hope you're all doing well. And by the time you get this, you should be back from your vacation. So. Welcome back. Thank you. Hey, I was listening to your podcast this week um, about orientation and mobility. I'm a guide dog user, but I think I'd be in the uh, same camp as Stephen's wife as far as I think it's incredibly important to have uh, your mobility skills with a cane as well as the dog. Um, the dog, as you've mentioned, Stephen, might not always be there. 
Um, but also sometimes when you finally get to your destination, you know, some of the fine uh, orientation that you need to do is easier to do with the cane. So once I get someplace, um, going beyond the things that the dog knows, like find the door, uh, when I'm in the restaurant, it might sometimes be easier to move around with the cane or things like that. So, and then the, as far as the technology goes, I think the, my dream would be something like the Envision glasses with LiDAR on it and sonar on it so that I could see or get buzzed if there's a branch about to hit me in the face. Um, and LiDAR so that I could, you know, find that, find that door see how many people are in the room. So, you know, can you call Envision and get them to put that in as, as long as, as well as GPS? Sure. And finally, uh, <laughs> when you were talking about the audio description, my other dream piece of technology is something that I think a couple of people will try, but I'd rather have the audio description on a separate device that's synced up with the track because I love hearing the audio. And I want my surround sound and all the work that they do to be unencumbered. And even though um, groups like the the one that you interviewed try very hard to mix it in well, and I think they do a pretty good job. Not everybody does mix it in well. And so I'd like to have a pair of headphones or aftershocks would be ideal. And I'm listening to the audio description, but I've got my full... Uh, surround sound going from the from the movie that I'm watching. So these are my dream pieces of technology and I'm sure you know you can get people to do that, right? Yeah. Definitely. Thanks for all you do. <laughs> Thank you, Greg. Yeah, we'll be right on that. Um absolutely no doubt at all. I'll be jumping around that. Uh you know what look, I, I I'm with you on this. I think going back to your first point, having the white cane and the guide dog, it is a great combination. Right. I mean, you know, for us, you and I, Sean, we didn't go down the route of the guide dog. And your case, no. not yet. I think I think a day will come where you might. Um, yeah. My current dog may have something to say about that. Yes. Well, that's that's often a challenge, right? If you've got <laughs> yes. a pet dog, that, that can get in the way. And uh, yeah, we were a bit worried about that when we had uh, the guide dog at first, because, you know, our little Dougal dog who we've had, you know, he's 14 this year. And, yeah. you know, he's so used house. to us. Yeah, it's his house, yeah. it's his place. Yeah. And, you know, bringing another dog into that isn't ideal. Um, but actually, they got on fine. Coco and Dougal got on really, really well. Thank goodness. Nah. Um, but you know what? You do need to keep up your white, skin, uh, white cane skills for sure. Um, Envision with LiDAR. Yeah, I'd love to see something new come out from Google next year. It won't be this year, but next year, I'd love to see something new from Google. I mean, how many years ago? Did they develop Google Glass? Yeah, but they got burnt on it, right? Everyone, they got ridiculed on it. Uh, you know, the, the society wasn't ready. They thought everyone was recording them and, you know, privacy issues. So I don't know if they would ever go back, honestly. They, they mm. brought this one out as an enterprise for business, which um, seems to be doing okay. But, yeah, I don't think it'll come back. But it's a great idea. I mean, why do we need Google Glass even? You know, just... Um, we need glasses with a camera, lidar, and sonar in it. Someone come up with that. Yeah, yeah. What, what was the what was the third point? I was trying to hold on to those two points. I've no, got the third yeah. one. Audio description. That, that's oh, a yes. fantastic idea. And there was a time I think Disney had an app where it would listen. Yeah, song fingerprinting is so amazing. Things like Shazam and Soundhound, where you, you know what music is playing. Even you can ask Siri, right? That does Shazam, I think. Mm -hmm. Um. And it, it knows what you're listening to in a few seconds. Now, there used to be apps out there that would identify what TV or movie you were watching. And they identify it and they would pull down the audio descriptive track and sync it up. So you could just have the audio descriptive track playing on your iPhone. Uh, like I say, I think Disney had an app like that a while ago. And there was another one as well, but it never came out of the outside of the US. Yeah, it was like but, ActiveView or something. That, that's it, yes. Was it that? That, that name rings a bell. Something like that, yes. Yeah. But, I mean, what a great idea, right? Because then you still have the, like like Greg says, you don't have to uh, dumb down 2.1 instead of 5.1 or whatever beautiful sound uh, track they have. And you just listen on your, on your own device. I think it's a really good idea, but sadly I don't think it's going that way. 
No, and it's a shame because it kind of makes the most sense because then you can have control. You think about personalization, and that's really what it comes down to. You know, being able to personalize your audio. There's talk in the future of being able to, you know, if you're watching a football match, for example, or you're watching a, a tennis or whatever it is, you can actually place yourself wherever you wish to be in that setting. So, you know, wherever you might wish to sit, be it behind the goal or next to the net or wherever you want to be, you can sort of position next yourself there. the burger there. stand. <laughs> yeah, that'd be quite nice, actually. Yeah, uh, Hot dogs, please. Um, but, you know, you can position yourself wherever you'd like to be and you can hear the audio from that perspective. And I think that is kind of, you know, we're seeing all this personalization coming in with audio. And of course, the spatial audio from Apple is really interesting because I, I can see down the line that being developed into home theater systems, maybe even by Apple themselves. Maybe they'll build that in one day. I mean, there's, there's rumors now of this iPad dock of some kind next year. There's the rumor of some kind of docking station that will you'll be able to maybe use something like MagSafe to connect your iPad to, and then you'll be able to have audio coming out, and you know that could be potentially mixed oh, up with the Apple TV. And, you know, no, who knows? Who knows? But no, yeah, but it solves so many problems, right? Because the companies don't have to uh, on-demand streaming. Or how are we going to get the uh, extra audio track in there? <coughs> Excuse me. I mean. They just dump their uh, AD tracks in some sort of you know repo somewhere that an app can access. Dropbox. Anyone could do it. <laughs> well, yeah, anything. But I mean, it takes the pressure off the companies. And plus, you know, you make it so that you can't just play the audio track, so they don't worry about oh, people are just watching this movie without paying for it. But it wouldn't have a soundtrack with it anyway. So I think it, it, it's a perfect solution for the companies for distribution and for us. But as I said, I don't think it would happen. No, it's a shame. It really is because it's not only that; is it? It's people who want to watch with families. I mean, you and I both are in families where we would want the audio description on all the time, and yes. I guess we are the fortunate ones because we have the yes. ability to have AD on all the time. But if you're in a family where you're the only blind person there, that yeah. can be really tricky. And look, I've had that experience. I've been with family no, who, it's, you know, it's their fault. Well, no, I agree. Bad family. But, but, but my my yeah. mum and dad they will not have AD on. It's not that they don't; they'll happily have it on. But my mum has a terrible habit. Every time the voice speaks, she talks and says, that's interesting that she just said that. And I'm thinking, yeah, but I can't hear you, it, and the the dialogue of the show and try and make sense of all uh, at the same different. time. Yes. So, you know, uh, it's funny. Whenever, whenever I'm in my uh, mum's house and my phone starts talking, she says, I don't know how you can hear. And that's what yes. she does all the time. And I'm like, you do that, but I can't now hear what this says. So I'll have to play it again. And then she says, but I don't know how you can hear. Like, Could you just, can, can we get a mute button here? Please. Oh, honestly, it is just, it drives me insane. Uh, okay. Love really you, interesting point. <laughs> Absolutely. We all love our mums. Be nice. Call your mum. Call your mum. Uh, right, let's get an email. Uh, this is from Jerry. And, uh, well, yeah, let's uh, hear what Laura has to say. Laura's read uh, Jerry's email for us. Good afternoon, Mr. Stephen Scott. Oh. Everybody's been criticising Sean Priest. Uh, now it's your oh. turn. <gasps> you were talking the other day on the podcast about people that are complaining about accessibility on iPhones. When using beta versions, you were saying, why are they using beta versions? These people that use beta versions are the ones that are giving Apple feedback and telling them what oh. is wrong and what they should fix. So stop griping and moaning about people that try to help us <gasps> out and make the public release that much better. Good job, Sean. From Jerry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you, Jerry. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wasn't saying people who use betas. What I'm saying is people who use betas on main devices and then complain about it. You see these people online all the time and it's like, well, I've installed the beta on my main iPhone and it's not working the way I hoped it would work and now it's not working properly. And why did they do this and why is that? Oh, he's doing a voice. Do you know, do you know what? It just, it's like, guys, come on, get real. Don't use it on your main device. It's called a beta for a reason. This might stun you, but oh. it's not public release. So it's not going to be working perfectly. You may have problems. So don't do it. However, if you're testing it and you're feeding back and you're using it on a secondary device and maybe you're complaining about some of the issues publicly, that's fine because that's totally understandable. That's my point, Jerry. So hope that makes sense. We all clear? I'm saying nothing because Jerry didn't shout at me, so... 
I'm keeping quiet. That's all right. Thanks for the email, Jerry. Good point. Time to come on that one. Uh, Right, let's get another email. Uh, This one comes in from uh, one of our listeners. Uh, I don't think we've got your name here, but this is on Mesh Wi-Fi. Laura reads the email. Hi there. So, when I listen to Sky on the Skybox upstairs, the signal keeps dropping out every 10 seconds for about half a second. Because this box is a good way from the router, could the new Echoes with the Mesh capability help here? I have an Amazon Studio downstairs near the router, and upstairs is the second-gen Echo. Very, very interesting, listening to all the news and features that you do. I'm looking forward to the new iPhone 14 Pro, which I should get in two weeks' time. Love to try out the door-to-door detection feature. I have a chest holder that I can fit the phone into, so the back camera can see in front of me. Oh, where the heck did the biped go? I think for my GPS needs, I will stick to the 14 Pro. Thanks. Keep up the good work. Wow, biped, yeah. We we talked about them on Double Tap TV a while back. Uh, yeah, I haven't heard much about that since. This is another one of these kind of products, you know. Was this the one that was like the toilet seat that goes toilet around your head? Toilet seat around your <laughs> Yes. I mean, we're being dismissive. I mean, you know, it's interesting it tech. Yeah, but as everything, you know, it's sort of, well, you can kind of do the same thing with LiDAR and, and your phone. Yeah, but you can't, so, you can't, I will say you can't use uh, or wear your um, iPhone around your neck like a toilet seat. So I guess, oh yeah, well, you that's know, one that's, thing. That's one yeah. up on it, right? Absolutely. You can make your own. <laughs> I, you know what? I've got to get one of those, those chest holders, chest mount things. I really want to try one of those out. Um, I, it's been ages and I still haven't tried one. Yeah. Well, I mean, they are very good. And, you know, you, have, you can get different ones. You get lanyards. And I know a friend of mine that managed to fashion it out of a, a lanyard. And then he had a, a chest strap that came around, like a luggage strap that he used. Oh, yeah. And that held the phone in place <laughs> on his chest so it didn't bounce around all over the place when he's walking around. But that's um, it, the bounce, right? I mean, I'm a bigger yeah. gentleman. There's a lot of bounce in me. So. Absolutely. Well, that's where, the, that's where the luggage strap comes in. It's a bad day when you have to have luggage straps in order to strap myself down. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I really don't know. But um, yeah, it's an interesting okay, idea. Where were we? What was the question there? Oh, mesh. Was it? Mesh oh, would definitely I am help. so excited about mesh, right? Because yeah, this, this Echo thing, I'm not sure how universal this is, but it apparently was launched on the 20th of this month that the Echoes were getting the updates to allow them for, to get the new mesh. Now, I haven't seen this appear, or at least if it has, I'm not aware of it. Being in my system now, I did install recently. Uh, in fact, just at the weekend, there a new Eero mesh system. So I got the Eero Pro Six. Uh, I'm going to do a demo nice. of it because I have to tell you, this is so easy to use. It is the simplest setup for uh, uh, this kind of thing. I mean, we've all had a, a go at routers over the years, and we've tried to find accessible ones and and be able to get access to all the the details and the features. And to the most part, this is the easiest one I've found because it's all app-driven. The whole thing is app-driven. And the app yep. is fully accessible. No problem at all. Now, this is a company which is associated with and owned by Apple. Not, not Apple, sorry, Amazon. Amazon. Um, and that does make it actually in some ways a little bit easier. For example, you can sign in to this system using your Amazon account. Now, look, for those of you out there who are a little bit privacy-aware, um, but nervous about things, you might think, well, hang on, that, are you just basically handing over your browsing history to Amazon? I'll be honest, you're probably doing that already, since most of my shopping is done on Amazon and most of my stuff I go to is on Amazon, so I've probably got my browsing yeah. history anyway. They know I buy toilet rolls at three o'clock in the morning, that's fine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it is a really easy system to set up, being able to add all the extra devices. Mix and match from different ones as well. I had an old set of Eros and I was able to hook them into my network as well. Um, and just being able to have everything wired up, be able to see my network, control my network. You know, for little things like, for example, with Lady A, I can say turn on the guest network and then turn off the guest network, which means that if I've got people in, I can turn on a guest network. I'm not having to hand over my personal Wi-Fi details. They can just easily get on network and, and you know be part of the network, but not have access to anything, which is really, really cool. Um, yeah. So, yeah, mesh Wi-Fi is, is definitely something I was excited about, but the Amazon Eero has really made it easy, frankly. Yeah, it's the, uh, I think, is it the only, I've gone a bit blank on this, is it the only Echo fourth gens that support mesh? Echo fourth I'm gens, not- Echo dot fifth gens. And I fifth think gens? The fourth, 
Is that the Equidot fifth oh, gen? I think that I think must be Equ- in the US because we never got the first gen. So yes, the ball shaped ones yes. should all work as, as a mesh extender. Exactly. So if, if, case, it, if it's spherical, it will work. Yes. I think that's the way to, to look at it. Yeah. It, all you need is the base station, and hopefully those uh, dots that you do have fourth gens or fifth gens would act as extenders. And as as from Stevens, uh, he's not using the dots, but using the extenders that came with his system. He says the mesh is. Uh, the internet is rock solid, so it would help. Yeah. I expect. Well, absolutely. It will, it will definitely help, but you do need to have the Eero system, I believe. I don't think it just works with any network. Oh, no, you do. Yes, yeah, so you would need the Eero base station, and then the any Echo Dots would act as the extenders, so you wouldn't have to buy separate extenders, So still what, which not, is cheaper, basically. Yeah, I'm still not entirely sure how this, because I, I don't know if it's available in the UK, and that's why I'm not getting any options of it. Or, or you know, yes. gone into the the Eero app, and you know, despite me having these devices, and I do have the brand new Echo Dot, uh, which arrived, which I will tell you, um, and I, I know this is in passing. I'm saying this, but honestly, the the sound quality, I'm not noticing a huge difference in sound quality. Maybe a little bit more bass, but not two right. times like what they were suggesting. Um, I will say though, the speed of response is definitely doubled. It is much faster wow. at responding and uh, will react better. Um, so that's because of your better internet. Well, that may be part of it, but you know the other ones react the same way at the same time. Um, whereas this one does seem to act, you know, react a little bit quicker and respond oh. quicker as well. So clearly, a bigger, bigger brain in there, which is good. Um, so yeah, the the Echo Dot, the the new new generation that has just been uh, launched, that very nice. I got one. Just ordered one as pre-order and it arrived and I think I'm really, really impressed by it. So we'll talk more about that in the coming weeks. Stick around that we are going to be talking Braille today. That is our conversation and we're going to be joined by Aaron Stevenson to tell us all about his app called the Braille Scanner app. But we get into a much bigger discussion around how these applications are made and what how he got into developing apps like this um, with the company that he's involved in. Very interesting conversation. That continues next here on Double Tap. Send us your feedback to feedback at ami.ca. Leave us a voicemail at 1-877-803-4567. You're listening to Double Tap. This is Double Tap. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Double Tap. And today we're talking all about the Braille Scanner app with Aaron Stevenson, the man behind it. And uh, we had this conversation on the uh, Double Tap TV show last week. It was very interesting, Sean, just to learn all about the wonderful things that Aaron has achieved with this app. Uh, so we thought we'd have a bit uh, of, of a longer conversation here on the audio show. So uh, really glad to welcome back Aaron Stevenson to the show. G'day. How are you going? First off, I want to ask, is this your first foray into this kind of app? Have you done stuff like this before or is this your first one? Uh, so as far as accessibility goes, um, I, I released an open source project, uh, two years ago with, uh, at the bank I worked at the time. Um, and that was like my first, I guess, foray into accessibility as a, as a, uh, I guess, uh, software. Um, but like accessibility, I've, I've like been passionate about it the last probably four years. Um, I didn't really know too much about it before that. And, um, this app is like honestly one of my biggest passions um and yeah like i can go i could just talk for hours about this so hopefully you've got enough time on your hands Um, (laughs) you mentioned that you um about four years ago you became passionate about accessibility now what was the reason for that was that just something you stumbled across from a you know sort of coding point of view and it grabbed your interest or was there a personal aspect to it um like i I always knew accessibility was a thing Uh, i know like being an Apple developer, Apple's always really focused on accessibility. So I've heard it mentioned a lot. Um, and it got to a point where uh, one of the places I was working, we had a, a product owner who is amazing. Um, he was very passionate about accessibility. And he said, look, we want to make this app that we're building accessible. And I naively said, oh, I'll put my hand up. I can do that. Um, can't be that hard. <laughs> and then I just sort of fell down this rabbit hole of, accessibility labels and color contrast and voiceover and voice control and switch control and braille displays. And I just get, the list goes on and on and on. And, yep. um, that was just, so I just started learning about it. And then 
I would talk to other developers about it and they'd be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And then I would tell them about it. Um, and then that aspect of it being able to, I guess, tell people about it who then they could go make their apps better. That's what I really enjoyed. And I still do love, uh, I do, I do enjoy doing that. Um, but yeah, that was sort of where it started. So it was the place I was working, the product owner we had, who's very passionate about accessibility and like all the other places I'd worked, great product owners, but none of them were really focused on accessibility. And yeah, it was quite refreshing. Um, and yeah, that's, that was sort of what led me into, fell down the rabbit hole, so to speak. <laughs> cool. And was that, was that because in some ways it was about the toolbox that you had, you know, lots of tools to play with? Because I imagine as a developer, that's one of the things you're looking for, isn't it? New ways to develop, new tools to play with. Obviously, it does allow apps you create that you encourage others to create to be more accessible to more people, which is always good. But from your perspective, is it that development capability that the tools in the toolbox? Uh, yeah, like the the toolbox that Apple gives you, it is a large toolbox. It's like a it's like an endless toolbox. Like you, it looks like that little looks like a tiny little toolbox, and you put your hand in it, just keeps going and going, and you just keep pulling things out of it. Um, <laughs> And each year at WWDC, Apple will chuck another 20 tools in the toolbox. And sometimes they won't even tell you the tools they put in there. They'll just give you a new toolbox um, and you've got to figure it out yourself. And um, yeah, so it, there are so many tools in that toolbox and it is almost impossible to know everything. Like maybe you could you could learn a little bit of each, but not know it in depth. Um, so I guess accessibility might be the tool that I take out more often. And then I like to tell others how to use the tool of accessibility. Um, mm. But yeah, there's so much stuff to learn. I've heard some app developers say in the past that the documentation, particularly when it comes to voiceover, isn't that great. Have you, have you, do you think Apple needs to do more to improve the documentation to help developers, uh, you know, uh, when it comes to accessibility? Uh, yeah, I think documentation across the board can be improved at everything. I wouldn't just point the finger directly at <laughs> Apple on that one thing. Um, but like documentation, uh, it can get quite outdated quite quickly, um, especially when everything's changing. Um, like for me, sure, um, I probably didn't use too much of Apple's documentation. I'd just go to YouTube and like find a video from Summer Penage, who is a... Um, accessibility expert in the app development field and uh, talk about her experiences, like watch her experiences on the video um, or just testing myself, um, just turning on voiceover, um, having a go with that. I know like a lot of times when I tell people about voiceover, they're very hesitant because when you turn voiceover on that first time and you're like, okay, I want to go home now and you swipe up and you're like, wait, wait, the gestures don't work anymore. How do I turn this off? Oh my God, my phone's broken. Um, so... I don't think I'm an expert at voiceover either. Like um, I can get it to work. I can find out what's wrong, but I'm sure there is so many gestures I do not know about. Um, and yeah, maybe documentation would help that. Although actually granted the gestures for voiceover, that's been updated, but I guess the development stuff, um, the written text isn't probably as up to date, but each year Apple releases videos at WWDC talking about accessibility um, and there's always new things coming out. There's always new things to learn. Um, and they do come back and revisit things if uh, developers don't understand. Um, or look, you can always reach out to me on Twitter. I'm always happy to help. Well, that, that's, I think that's really interesting and actually really helpful as well that you say that because it's one thing you learning and that's great. And everyone would be jumping up and down and saying, this is fantastic. But the fact you're willing to work with other developers and say, look, I'll show you these secrets, essentially, that aren't really secrets at all. Um, it's just that a lot of people are quite nervous, like you say, to to get into this. I think also, do you think sometimes it's just there's a fear of getting it wrong? I know I have felt like that. I know this Braille app, like the app I've worked on that we you mentioned before, mm. um, I had a fear of getting it wrong. Um, and in the end I had someone tell me that I just had to ship it. Um, and it, it's going to work and it does work. Um, but yeah, definitely there is a fear of getting it wrong. And I think as long as you are trying to improve it and listen to the people that are using it, then that's how you're going to make it better. Where if you sit back and you just keep tinkering away, trying to make it better and better, um, you may not never release it because nothing's ever perfect. You're always going to have someone who says, Hey, this doesn't work for me. How many apps 
and services have you worked on already um, prior to creating the Braille Scanner app? Uh, I've made about 30 apps in 10 wow. years. And any of the, are any of those accessibility specific like this? Uh, only the open source framework. Um, but this one, is, I guess this one's probably the main one. This is like definitely my baby, so to speak. Yeah, this one is, is, is or I could say all the others were crap. Don't, if you ever, don't, really, don't download any apps other than this one. This is the best one. Go get it. Way this to is sell the, it. This is the best well done. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Forget those other things. Yeah, I, this one. I've deprecated one. all those ones. <laughs> so what does this one do? Okay. So um, what the app does is it allows you to take a photo of a piece of paper with Braille on it, and it uh, converts the Braille to text using machine learning, uh, CreateML, and uh, Coromel, rather, and uh, Vision. Um, that's pretty much it. So, yeah, you just point your phone, paper, it finds the paper, and then it just goes, this is the text on that paper. Or this is the Braille, and then it converts the Braille to text. That's that's it. It's simple. Wow. As simple as that does what it says on the tin. <laughs> you, you say it's that simple. I guess, I guess from a user perspective, that's quite simple and extremely powerful, and we'll get into that. But how do you build something like that? I mean, without getting too geeky, because I know nothing about this stuff, but... You know, essentially, how do you begin? What's the process with that? Oh, let's let's go back two years. So, um, two years uh, during Global Accessibility Awareness Day, um, so GAD, uh, which is in May uh, each year. Uh, I can't remember the date. It's the nineteenth, and um, I created. Um, oh, oh, sorry, I was. It was in the first like COVID lockdown period where everyone was working from home in Australia and. Um, so much like accessibility content came out that day. I actually got extremely overwhelmed and I sort of had to like go offline a little bit, just sort of take back and work out what I wanted to do for that day. Cause normally I try to spend that day and try to watch content or like, like just watch video on something, try to learn more. Um, and, uh, I naively thought, you know what, I'm going to learn Braille. That can't be hard. Um, <laughs> Wow. <laughs> it was super naive. So I brought one of those uh, Braille slates, like a, and I didn't even get the big full page one. I got like the, the tiny little one. It's like goes all the way across a page and it's like four or three rows high. Of um, I bought that and then I'm like, yeah, I'm going to learn Braille. It's going to be super easy. Can't be that hard. <laughs> um, I started with uh, uncontracted, so grade one, uh, UEB, um, and I did like the alphabet. I was like, oh, this is amazing. This is easy. And then I did it again. I'm like, I can't remember what that letter is. Did it again. Can't remember what that letter is. I'm like, like <laughs> this is getting very hard. Um, and so what I decided to do was uh, use CreateML, uh, CoreML. Um, as I mentioned, I'd never had an a, a experience that I could um, create a machine learning like model for. And I'm like, Look, I'm going to put all of this data into the model and then see what happens. So I put all the, I've put the alphabet into the model and then I labeled it all correctly. And then about 24 hours later, it spat out a model. I put it into an app. I pointed it at the piece of paper and it actually highlighted over the top of each Braille set, unlike this live view, each letter. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Um, <laughs> well, again, I'd never done any machine learning stuff before. So it was really cool. And I posted that video on Twitter and it got so much feedback. I got like 13,000 views, 75,000 impressions of the tweet, um, like 474 likes. And again, like this was like, to me, this was like, oh my God, this is so cool. Mm -hmm. um, and then I started like getting feedback from people and they're like, oh, this is so cool. Like I've, I've got this nephew who is um, visually impaired and he always asks me to help him with the homework and I'm never able to help him. This could actually allow me to be able to read his homework and to tell him if he's doing his spelling correctly. I'm like, oh, wow, that's cool. Um, and then I had someone from Disney reach out. And they're like, look, we've got all these Braille signs in our facilities. We want to know if it what it says in Braille is what it's written there. And I was like, that's even cool. Like, that's really cool as well. Um, like, someone from Disney is approaching me. And I was like, maybe I should turn this into an app. Um, and then again, naively, after having this one win with machine learning, thought, I'm going to make this an app. How hard could it be? I just spent 24 hours and that was like, that's what I got. And then we fast forward to two years later and the app is almost ready to go. And it, it's it's now on the app store and that's where we are now. Um, and that's probably like a roundabout way of the history of the app, why it started. And this is where I am. 
That's so cool. So what happened in those two years then? If it took 24 hours for Core ML, the machine learning uh, model or API from Apple, to spit out that model for translating Braille. So what did you have to do for those two years to tweak it? Uh, so that is a great question. Um, so because this was like my <laughs> side project, there was a lot of times where I would be working on it like intensely for months and then uh, would go do something else and for maybe a couple of weeks and come back. Um, and then the, the, the other thing that might, that did happen was, um, so with Braille, the Braille I was doing, I was doing the six cell, six cell Braille, um, or six dot Braille rather. And there's a possible combination of 63 different like cells, um, in that. So I had to create Braille, <laughs> So I created 700 unique pieces of paper with Braille on it, like writing it. Um, and I was using my my dodgy little slate. Not dodgy, but that's a little slate. I'm like, yeah, this is getting really hard because I kept forgetting to do it backwards. Like, because the slate, when you do it, when you're using a slate, everything <laughs> yes. is reversed. So it's like, oh my God, like Aaron, get it right. How hard, like, and then I'm like, I know I'll get a full page slate. That'll be easier to write. I won't have to like keep moving it down. And I did that, and then I got frustrated with that after I hit, like, 300th um, piece of paper with Braille on it. Um, and then I got a uh, Perkins, <laughs> like, Brailler, and I was like, yes, here we go, I'm off. Um, and, yeah, and then, so, yeah, 700 um, pieces of paper with Braille on it. And, like, so what I would do is I'd have to write out every possible combination of the Braille cells, um, I would then take photos of it, adjust the light, take more photos of it, adjust the light, take more photos of that piece of paper. And then I had to annotate. So when I annotate, I'd have to put the image into my computer and then I built another app which allowed me to draw a uh, rectangle over the actual individual Braille cell and then identify it. Okay, so this is this is Braille cell uh, 100001 etc cetera, etc cetera. so basically i had to I, I i just had to annotate every single one i think i i, I drew boxes um 6400 odd times like <laughs> drawing little boxes um i actually fell asleep doing it a couple of times as well um which like I just, <laughs> i've done that when i'm learning braille don't worry so like and like it was it was great like i and again this is what i was doing so i would do all that I did that, I think, 3,000 times. I then put it into the machine learning model and the accuracy of it got heaps better. So, I was like, okay, now I did do more and then I did another 3,000 and then more and more and more. And then it got to a point where I actually put too much data in it and the score started going down. So, I'm like, oh, my God, what am I doing wrong? I thought I just threw more data at it and made it better. Uh, but, again, this is me learning more about machine learning. Um, and then uh, I had to take away some data. I had to experiment, like... I think I ended up creating about 40 different machine learning models in that two-year span or the, the 18-month span, um, just of different experiments here and there. So, like, okay, what happens if I adjust the lighting this way? Or what happens if I only use white paper? Okay, now what happens if I use different colored paper? Like, just just constantly changing it, tweaking the data, putting in the model, is it better or worse? Um, okay, and now a new iPhone came out that has an even better camera. Okay, now I need to go take another 700 photos. Yay! So, like, it just it was just <laughs> this constant, uh, like, improvement uh, of the model. Um, and, like, it's still not perfect. That's the other thing. Like, if if you use the app, like, it in the perfect lighting conditions, it will work great. But if the lighting's off a little bit, it won't work great. Um, and some of the feedback I'm getting is it doesn't work great and... I'm sorry it's not working great for you, but I am working on it. It is just me working on it. I'm doing the absolute best I can. Um, and yeah, so yeah, that's that's pretty much it. That is absolutely fascinating how much you put into that. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because we often think, Sean, that lighting conditions, for example, that is on us to get that right, which it is. Um but also that we kind of expect yep. the technology just to react. And we, we maybe don't think about the developer's role in how that works. We just think, well, if it's not right, it's the camera's fault. We often blame the camera. Yeah. Well, I, it's interesting. I have used this app, Aaron. I downloaded it and, and, and I've tested it out. And it's, I was quite surprised because what we're talking about here, if we're looking at character OCR, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, printed text. 
I, I, I totally get that. And we often say, you know what? Cameras doesn't really matter. Every camera you get now is going to be absolutely fine for printed OCR. Don't even worry about it. Um, but when it comes to those Braille dots, I mean, I, I, that, that seems such a fine thing to look out for, such a, a minute dot to try and find with a camera. It, it, I was quite surprised how well it did work. And I can totally understand how lighting will affect that because, you know, you need some sort of, how do you determine or distinguish a tiny little dot on a piece of paper? It's really impressive. Well, first off, I'm glad it worked for you. Um, I, I, I thought when you said I've downloaded, I'm like, oh my god, this is going to go either two ways. Either you're going to be the person that's sending me those emails, <laughs> or I'm going to be like, yeah, it works. But I'm glad it went the other way. So, <laughs> no, it was good. I was impressed. As I said, it, it's interesting. I, I think we have to be mindful of um, of the work you do, and I think that's why I'm really glad we're having this conversation. A lot of people don't realise that a lot of apps out there are you know one man bands one woman bands right it's not like it's just uh, you know i think this idea of like 50 developers are working on it um which is true for some i'm sure but not for all and in this case this, this is would, would you would you call this like a passion project i mean it sounds a bit like it is for you but yeah it's absolutely a passion project for mine um like i i, I live and breathe this stuff um and like let me get this right if you if you are um having a problem with the app I absolutely want to hear from you. I'm in no way saying, don't tell me that you have a problem with the app. I know it's perfect. I know it's not perfect. I want to hear from you because I could be not, like I might not be allowing for a certain situation a user has because like I, like I'm sighted. So like it's, it's always, it's, it's hard to know exactly like every different scenario when it comes to lighting. Um, Like I had someone uh, send me, a photo of their medication that had Braille on it. I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm only doing pieces of paper. Like I know it's cardboard, <laughs> yeah. but I don't have like Braille on it. Like I've never seen that before. And if I hadn't got that, I wouldn't have been like, okay, I now need to expand this out a bit more. Um, so yeah, don't, I'm not, I'm not deciding anyone to, you can, you can send me mean emails if you want to, and I'll, I'll kindly reply back to you and go, thank you for your feedback. And um I hopefully I can make it better for you. Uh, I, I want I want to ask you a little bit yeah. about the You're just the, too nice. I don't like that. You are too nice. Yeah, stop that. Um, <laughs> but no, here's here's the thing. I I'm intrigued by the people who are using this because I initially when I heard about it, I thought teachers, people who are teaching Braille, will use it to um, to make sure that the work that the the pupils are doing is keeping up to, to scratch. I also then thought about my own situation, which is I'm learning Braille. I've been learning Braille for a while. And when I'm going through the coursework, especially at home, you're often thinking to yourself, God, I hope I'm getting this right. You know, I hope I'm not just whacking out, you know, banging out endless Braille, which is garbage. Um, and I'm just sort of handing it over to myself because I'm, I'm on my own, right? No one else is here. So I'm going, oh, this is the best Braille I've ever printed out. This is fantastic. And it all makes sense to me. And it's all wrong. So, you know, being able to check that is also incredible. But you're also mentioning companies like Disney and it sounds like others as well. So so tell me the kind of range of people who are getting in touch with you about this app. I mean it's, it sounds very interesting. Uh yeah, so like other than the use case of myself to start with, um the next use case that came to me straight away from someone reaching out was um so in a classroom setting where you have sighted and visually impaired children um Normally, what will happen is the teacher in that classroom doesn't know Braille. So the the uh, child typing on the Brailler would hand their work to the teacher, who would then give that to another teacher who would transcribe it and then bring it back to the in-classroom teacher. And then they could mark the work. So the idea was that, and like if that work goes to that, that uh, teacher outside of the classroom, they might have like a queue of documents they have to transcribe or they might not be there or whatever reason. So they've got this this time delay between all the other sighted children's work being marked and the uh, visually impaired child's um, work being marked. So I was hoping that this app could allow that in-classroom teacher to mark the app or potentially even a sighted child sitting next to a visually impaired child to be able to just mark it for them as well, um, which I thought would be like sort of make it a bit more inclusive, engage the students a bit more together. Um, That's initially that like, that was my other use case but so many more have come in um signage braille is another thing um i saw there's there's braille on like a 
a pole, like not like plastic braille on a signage, but like metal embossed braille on like handrails and stuff. And I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. That's again, another thing I need to look at doing. Um, actually even started buying <laughs> uh, braille signs. <laughs> so like people were demolishing buildings and they were selling all the signage. So <laughs> I just started buying like toilet signs <laughs> and putting them on my wall and taking photos of them. <laughs> so if, if um, in my office, I have like a shower sign, a toilet sign, um, all this other stuff that I'm working on. Uh, and then there was actually one more use case, which it's sort of like, um, it was completely, to me, it was completely left field, but um, I had someone reach out saying that their brother worked in a nursing home. And what often happens is um, someone would pass away, their belongings would go to the family. And let's say that person was blind. The family doesn't normally get the letters that the from the deceased person transcribed because it's quite costly. So he said this app would actually allow that family to be able to read those letters um, without having to go get it transcribed. And I was like, oh my God, like, God, there's another thing. So wow. yeah, there's, there are a lot of use cases out there, which, yeah. If And if the app didn't, if I didn't release the app, then a lot of these things I wouldn't have caught or like um, been told about. So um, was what was your first thought when you got this feedback when you were starting to hear from these companies i guess it was like wow but you know hearing those individual stories about how this app can really make a difference i mean you know this is a passion project for you you're a developer you love making apps you love doing all this stuff how did it feel to to make something that really had such meaning behind it uh it's quite motivating um to be honest because like I think all, like personally, I think all developers, designers, product owners, anyone that creates a product sort of has this, um, what's that Spider-Man quote? The great power comes great responsibility. Um, like to they, they, you, as a, as someone that creates a product, you have this responsibility to build something that is able to be used by everyone. Um, so I, when I hear like amazing feedback like that, it's like, okay, I'm on the right track. Like I'm trying to use my power for good um, and build something that uh, can potentially make a difference in someone's life. It's, it's quite, it feels quite nice. Um, and it sort of motivates me to want to do more. And on that point about more, I mean, what are you planning to develop this app further? Have you got other ideas for it? Or are you, is it just a case of development at the moment? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, so like at the moment, it only does grade one UEB. Um, unified English Braille. Mm-hmm. So I am, I was actually, I'm currently working on adding in the LibLuis um, open source framework, which opens up the mapping of like Braille tables from one to potentially however many that one has. Um, and I think, I think class, it's like over a hundred different Braille tables. So it won't just be like uncontracted English, which is, I guess the the basic one, it'll be multiple languages, not just English. Um, there's there's a lot of things I want to do to make it better. Like I'd, I'd love to get like a Mac version as well, um, where you could just take a photo from your phone and it would just put it on your Mac, almost like you do with OCR. Um, and I think a really cool feature would be if you could essentially um, take a photo with the app like of a braille document and then do like an air print of the braille document to an embosser and basically photocopy it and it would just print it out exactly as it is. I thought that'd be cool. Again, this is all stuff that I would absolutely love to do, but um, time is one thing. Um, like I, I work a full-time job and then I do this in my spare time. Um, so it's just trying to prioritize what people want. At the moment, the 150 emails I've received so far have all been for multiple different Braille grades. Um, so that's my main focus at the moment. But like, there's so many things I could possibly do. Like accessibility is this, this passion of mine that I won't just stop at Braille. Like I was also looking at doing sign language as well. Um, so being able to do hand gestures. Uh, this would be a different app to this one, but um, yeah. So I could go on and on and on. Again, this is just a passion of mine and I just... I just have a go at building something and if I can make it work and people think they'll use it, then I'll, I'll try to make it better. No, I think what you're doing is amazing. I mean, it really is. And that's why I wanted to talk to you because I just feel that 
you know, there's a real pa- clearly a passion for what you're doing and, and it's coming across. But um, I just want to ask you one more question regarding other developers <clears throat> who maybe watch this and think to themselves, yeah, you know what, I, I get it. I mean, accessibility is important. Um, <laughs> you know, obviously we want to be talking to as many people as possible and all that stuff. And a lot of developers say that or, you know, some of them don't even know what accessibility is ultimately, which is the, the other challenge. What would you say to a developer who's listening to this, who's you know, maybe never considered it, maybe never delved into that to- that toy box, that toolbox. What's your sort of first piece of advice? I think, like if I was talking to another developer and they sort of coming in fresh, uh, it'd be something um, something along the lines of you, you really need to think about um, all your users, not just a, a subset of users. And you want to give everyone the the ability to use your app. Like, I normally have like, when I, I talk about accessibility, I normally have like this cartoon graphic of um, there's a, a person shoveling snow off the stairs, like in front of a school and there's kids waiting to get inside the school and there's a ramp next to the person shoveling the snow off the stairs and the ramp's covered in snow. And there's a person in wheelchair saying, can you shovel the snow off the ramp? And the person shoveling the snow says, I'll do that after I do the stairs for these these children. And then the person in the wheelchair says, well, if you do the ramp, everyone can get in, not just the small subset of people that use the stairs. So it's, it's really um, just trying to think, like trying to open your mind a little bit more of your experience of using your app, even though you might have built it just for yourself, isn't always the way that people are going to use it um, because your experience is always different to someone else's. Aaron, great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Come back soon because there is so much more we could talk about. It sounds like you have a lot to say on this topic. So thank you so much for coming on. Uh, That is it for today. Uh, Just a reminder that, of course, today is the big Apple release day for macOS Ventura and iPad OS 16. We'll be talking all about that tomorrow here on Double Tap. Thanks for listening. Love Double Tap? Did you know we're on the TV too? Check out brand new episodes of Double Tap TV on AMI-tv every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Or binge on all episodes online at ami.ca forward slash Double Tap. We're also on YouTube. Search for Double Tap to catch our episodes there too. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.